The monster has beaten the hunter of the hill. Get up! I want everybody up! Get out of your seats and get on your feet! Welcome to where rock meets roll, heavy beats metal, and out meet law. Ladies and gentlemen, let them hear you! How are we doing, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome, everyone, to the first ever episode of Wisconsin Auto Racing, presented today by Pedal Down Promotions. My name is Lauren Kelly, the voice of the MSA, and after this episode, I will be here with my co-host, Alex Tryon. Uh, Alex couldn't make it out today to record, but we'll be back in the studio tomorrow with an interview with um, a very prominent uh, driver here in Wisconsin. Very excited about that. Not going to spoil that just yet. You'll just have to tune into the next episode uh, to figure out what driver that is. Once again, today's episode is brought to you by Pedal Down Promotions. Pedal Down Promotions is a full-service public relations and media services company devoted to helping businesses, organizations, civic groups, sports teams, and book authors effectively communicate with targeted audiences through a diverse array of promotional strategies and methods, including press releases, newsletters, profile, and feature articles, website and social media content development, printed media, marketing materials, editing and layout, graphic design, and book publishing services. For more information on how Pedal Down Promotions can become your fast-track connection to success, contact Jeff Pedersen by email at pedaldownpromotions at gmail.com or visit www.pedaldownpromo.com. Thank you to Pedal Down Promotions for sponsoring this episode and as well as the next one. Um, if Once again, if you are interested in sponsoring uh, the Wisconsin Auto Racing Podcast, please shoot me a message on Facebook at Lauren Kelly or on Instagram at Kells Outdoors. So today we're going to get into the nitty gritty of it. Going to look at the championships that were won by a bunch of area teams here and then we're going to get into some nitty gritty rumors and tasty things like that as we roll on with this episode here uh, once again after this week i will be here with uh, my co-host alex tryon and uh, a couple interviews with a bunch of drivers as well some of those drivers i'll just read down a list here that have expressed interest in being on the podcast and that will be on the podcast in the future uh brandon birth this for those of you who don't know he's a 2016 plymouth third track racing sport mod champion and just newly crowned the 2019 midwest sprint car association rookie of the year as well as the plymouth third track racing sprint car rookie of the year um, he's out of cascade is brandon birth and then Next on the list, we've got Will Garretts, who's the 2015 Badger Micro Sprint Champion and also the 2016 MSA Rookie of the Year, as well as the 2016 Plymouth Third Track Racing Rookie of the Year. The 2019 MSA fourth place finisher in points was Will Garretts, um, and he was also my pick for uh, also comeback driver of the year as well as most improved driver. Josh Walter is also... Um, going to be on the show in the future, four-time Midwest Sprint Car Association feature winner, um, 36 total wins all-time in the top 20 in the all-time MSA wins list, um, has competed in the IRA quite a bit in the past few years. Um, the next big one is Sean Rahal, uh, 2010 um, SCCA, that's the Sport Car Sports Car Club of America, Pro Racing Formula Enterprises champion, uh, as well as the 2013 IMSA Lights champion and the 2017 European Le Mans LMP3 champion, um, who now races full-time in the MSA Sprint Cars, as well as uh, picking apart some races in the IRA as well. Justin Miller also on the list, defending Plymouth Third Track Racing track champion in the 360 Sprint Car division. Had to give up that crown to Kurt Davis this year. 
Uh, Kurt has also expressed interest in being on the podcast as well. And I just received a text from Adam Miller, who said he is also very interested in being on the podcast. Of course, Adam notched his first Midwest Sprint Car Association win earlier this season at the Plymouth Dirt Track. So a lot of those drivers from the MSA and a lot of them from the Plymouth area, uh, southeastern Wisconsin, um, if you're a driver from outside of that area, we accept all drivers from all around Wisconsin and the Midwest. Uh, so if you're interested in being on the podcast, please let us know. So we're going to get into talking about some of the uh, champions from this season. going to start it off with the Dirt Kings late models, Nick Anvilink. Um, who I believe has won every Dirt Kings championship so far since the series uh, came into play uh, just a few years ago. I believe Nick has won all those championships. Uh, Nick, of course, with 429 points, taking the championship away from Brett Swedberg in the closing few races of the season. Looked like Swedberg had it locked up, and then Anvilink goes on a hot streak and takes that away from Swedberg. Uh, Justin Ritchie. Uh, was the Dirt Kings late model rookie of the year. He finishes third in points with 381 points, um, won a bunch of features this season. Uh, Troy Springborn out of Shawano finished fourth in points, and Ron Berna, rocking Ron Berna, finishing out the top five with 358 points in the Dirt Kings late model tour. I do have to say, uh, those Dirt Kings late models guys, they put on an absolute show. I only saw them once this season. Um, and I was really disappointed about that, uh, that I couldn't get out and see him more often. Uh, but, of course, the job at Plymouth and with the MSA uh, <laughs> wraps up a lot of your Saturdays and Friday nights. So uh, disappointed I didn't get to see the Dirt Kings late models any more than I did because when they came to Plymouth, man, they put on a show. And that was a really, really great race. Uh, of course, Mitch McGrath taking the win at Plymouth. I love the whole, like, who is king thing that they do with the uh, discountshoptiles.com, Dirt Kings Late Model Tour. I think it's I think it's great. Um, and working with the announcer from that, I mean, he's a great guy. And all of the people with the Dirt Kings Late Models, all really, really great people to work with um, when they were at Plymouth. So huge shout-out to the Dirt Kings Late Models on a great 2019 season. Looking forward to see what they do in 2020. Um, and once again, congratulations to Nick Anvilink on a well-deserved championship in that division. Going to move on now to the big dogs of the IRA 410 Sprint Car Series. Looking down, I mean, you it's not really a surprise who's on top of the points after the season uh, whenever Bill Baylog actually decides to run a full uh, schedule with the IRA. It always, it always seems like he's on top of the points leaderboard at the end of the season with 3,623 points, winning the championship by a whopping 404 points is the North Pole nightmare of Bill Baylog from North Pole, Alaska, t tallying nine wins, 20 top fives, and 22 top tens out of the 26 features run this season in the IRA competition. Uh, second and tied for second, actually, Jeremy Schultz and Scotty Thiel. However, on countback, Jeremy Schultz has one more top 10 and two more top fives. So Jeremy Schultz gets that second spot with 3,219 points. And Jeremy uh, out of Beaver Dam was tied with Scotty Thiel, who's out of Sheboygan. Both of them have four wins on the season, but Scotty, once again, two less top fives with 11 and one less top 10 with 19, once again, with 3,219 points. That's a great top three. 
uh, to have for your series. Jeremy, of course, the 2015 IRA Sprint Car Champion, um, and Scotty Thiel has yet to notch an IRA championship, uh, but he's a former Rookie of the Year, um, longtime MSA competitor. It's awesome to see Scotty up there. Actually went down and ran the Kings Royal at Eldora earlier this season, as well as the Knoxville Nationals, so it's awesome to see another local guy uh, besides Bill getting out there and running with the big dogs. Always awesome to see. Scotty Neitzel, who put on somewhat of a late-year run um, at the top spot, uh, coming up 600 points short, though, uh, with nine top fives and 15 top tens. Another just amazingly consistent season from the 2W team. Um, Scotty Neitzel, of course, finishing fourth in the points. Almost was looking like he was on for a win at Plymouth um, in the last race of the season, um, but unfortunately a mechanical issue with two to go on the restart um, knocked Scotty out of contention, was leading the race at the time. Russell Borland with a, I believe that's his career best points finish in fifth for the number 23 Beaver Dam bad boy, um, who actually now resides in Kewaskum, Wisconsin. Lettery, as uh, Ray Underwood says, four top fives and 15 top tens, running the 25 of 26 features, only missing one. Finishing the season with 2,890 points was Russell Borland. Um, absolutely, probably the most impressive thing I saw in a sprint car this season was Russell uh, going toe-to-toe with Tony Stewart in a heat race at Plymouth. And I was fortunate enough to be on the infield for that race. And I just watched them battle the whole time. And I got to say, Russell kind of kicked Tony's butt. Uh, it was really, really fun to watch. Um, and so props to you, Russell, on a, a really, really great season uh, of course, finishing fifth in IRA points and rounding out that top five. Once again, I mean, there's not really anything more we can say <laughs> about Bill Baylog. Uh, ties Joe Rowe with nine IRA championships. Um, and let's be honest, I mean, he's kind of on another level at this point. And that happens also when when you're competing against the bigger competition. You get that more experience. You get... Um, and you learn a lot, too, from racing against those uh, top guys in the world of outlaws and stuff like that. So good to see Bill getting out and challenging himself like he was just down, I believe, at the Jackson Motorplex, I think, uh, or Williams Grove. He was at Williams Grove, um, notched a top 20 finish there in the A-Main on night one. Uh, unfortunately, had a mechanical issue. or no, He jumped the cushion in, in the B-Main, finishing seventh one spot out of the transfer spot. Um, and missed the A-Main on the last night. So great season to Bill. Congratulations to the whole B-Squared Motorsports team. Um, and also congratulations to the IRA. That last show that they had in the Wisconsin Sprint Car Championships, I mean, they're pulling guys like Linton Jeffrey, Tony Stewart, Austin McCarl, Terry McCarl. Uh, you know, for those guys to come out and race with the IRA says a lot about the competition that's in the IRA right now. Um, and just how well of a series it's run. I mean, Steve Sinclair, there's, you don't, they don't get much better than Steve in terms of uh, running a series. So uh, very, very, very cool and awesome to see them pull those bigger names like that. So moving on to the, probably honestly, the most talked about sprint car series in the nation this season, um, getting national attention from different TV networks, um, Wing Nation podcast, Speed Shift TV did a solo, like MSA solo headline show at Angel Park. Um, and it was just amazing to see that. And for a 360 sprint car division, that's pretty awesome to have a solo broadcast show like that. The Midwest Sprint Car Association, of course, was won by Kurt Davis this season, as well as him taking the 
PDTR uh, track championship in the 360 division. For those of you who don't know, the Midwest Sprint Car Association runs, I think, mo well, they run most of their races at Plymouth, and then they have 11 road shows. So it they go to, like, Angel Park, um, what is that, SK Speedway, out of Gamey, other places like that around the state of Wisconsin. Um, so they combine all of those points to form the Midwest Sprint Car Association. And Kurt Davis just eking out the championship with 1,949 points, three wins, 15 top fives, and 24 top tens out of the 25 features run in Midwest Sprint Car Association competition this season. That is absolutely unreal. To only miss the top ten in one feature, he made every single feature, um, and the one feature he got kind of taken out uh, by another car. Really unfortunate situation. Otherwise, he probably would have had 25 top tens out of the 25 races run. And the guy he just barely eked out, Travis Aarons, with 1,909 points, just by 40 points. Uh, Kurt Davis wins that championship by it. However, Travis had an amazing season with six wins, 16 top fives, and 19 top tens. The one point, and I oops, just bumped the mic. <laughs> the one point where I think this championship really, really turned um, is um, the actual, there's part of the clip of it in the intro uh, for the podcast was the, I'm trying to remember if it was the, it wasn't the fair night. It was a couple nights after that when Adam Miller notched his first win at Plymouth, Travis was leading the eight main by probably half a straightaway or so, and he's getting really impatient with lap traffic. You can see him bobbing and weaving every lap. There's three cars in front of him, and that's the great thing about the MSA is you, you've got you've got guys lapping into the top 15, but they're still racing three wide for a top 15 position, um, and the difference in payout in those positions is a lot. So, you know, those guys are racing for position as well, and then you've got Travis barreling through there. Uh, in the 25T and can't find a way past him. Adam's closing up, you know, three car lengths a lap. There's three to go, and Travis is like, it's now or never, and he sends it up the inside of three different cars, clips the front end of Preston Rue's uh, 26 machine, and goes barrel rolling over in turn four. Uh, really unfortunate situation, but it's just kind of one of those things, you know, Travis said he, he learned a lot this season, and I guarantee you that's one of the things he learned is just to be patient. Uh, so uh, shout-out to Travis for you know a really amazing season. Six wins, sweeping the season series at Angel Park Speedway, winning all three uh, A mains there as well as notching a win at Plymouth and then I believe uh, SK Speedway and out of Gamey. So, uh, again, just an amazing season for the 25T. And that's one of the kind of rumors that's been floating around the the uh, the pits this season is that uh, TA is moving up into a 410 next season. If he does, uh, good on him. I think he's definitely ready. You know, you don't tally six wins in MSA competition without being an incredible driver. Um, but I think, you know, moving up there, he's got the backing. He's got Service One Transport, you know, professional plating, all of those guys. There's, he's got a lot of money behind that team, and I think they're ready to go up into a 410. Um, it's just it would be really really cool to see uh, Travis compete for Rookie of the Year next season with the IRA. Third in MSA points was Justin Miller, who actually was mathematically eligible to win the championship until the last weekend of the season. He was uh, 
Well, he was mathematically eligible heading into Dodge County, um, and then when that race got rained out, he then could not make up those points anymore with just one night left at Plymouth. So he was mathematically eliminated for the championship, but he finishes the season with 1,814 points, 11 top fives, and 21 top tens. Um, he had only three less than Kurt, second uh, in terms of top ten finishes in the year. Uh, just an amazing season again for the Miller Family Motorsports team uh, with also Adam Miller finishing sixth in MSA competition. Um, Justin, I, I gave out this uh, this little award in this article that I wrote for the uh, MSA at the end of the season. And it was, uh, oh, you almost got it. You almost got it. And it's kind of, you know, a reference to the State Farm commercial or whatever. But uh, Justin... I really don't understand how he didn't win a feature this season. I mean, the guy finishes third in points, eligible to win the championship until the last weekend, and yet he doesn't tally a feature win. I mean, he came really, really close. There was one one race in particular that I remember. It was uh, Jim Malis's one win, uh, or one of two wins this season, but it was his last one uh, at Plymouth when he was battling with Jack Vanderboom pretty much all race. And it was getting; they were getting stuck in lap traffic, and all of a sudden, Justin comes up the inside of both of them, takes the lead. Actually, was in the lead coming to the start finish line, but just before they come out of turn four, the caution comes out for uh, I believe I believe it was Tyler Davis spinning around on the front stretch. Uh, but Justin was so close, and if he had, if they had just crossed that finish line before that yellow came out, I really think there wasn't a whole lot Malis or Vanderboom could have done. Uh, to slow down that 15M. I mean, they had a rocket all season, an incredibly consistent season as well. Um, I believe the only one of the only DNFs they had was in the last race of the season when they uh, ran it up, or it, well, not the last race of the season, but uh, the one that Adam Miller won a couple couple weeks before that, and when they ran it up into the wall in turn three. Really, again, just kind of an unfortunate thing. I believe something broke on the car, um, but congratulations to the entire Miller Family Motorsports, Justin and Adam Miller. Great season from both of you guys. Really awesome to see uh, a team like that really be consistent. Another team that was very consistent this season was the uh, Napa Know How team uh, with the 21 of Will Garrett's and the 99 of Tyler Brabant. Uh, Tyler was working through a ton of motor issues earlier in the season, uh, and they really, really got it together to get two top fives and six top tens late in the season, finishing 11th in points, uh, just barely missing out on the top ten. Uh, and it's really another really, really great turnaround uh, to see in the MSA this season. Uh, the other one, of course, being Brandon McMullen, uh, who had an abysmal start to the season and uh, turning it around to win uh, two of the last three features and have an average finish of second in the last six races. So another amazing season there. But we're going to talk about Will Garretts, who finishes fourth in MSA points with 1,714 points. Uh, one win, got his first win of his career at Plymouth earlier this season. Six top fives and 19 top tens. Another really, really impressive number uh, from the 21-year-old. Will, actually, he had a very, very scary wreck last year at Dodge County um, where he actually broke his arm and was out for the majority of last season. Um, and he wasn't even sure if he could come back and race to his full potential, um, but he did. And it was it was really, really fun to watch. I mean, he was coming for Lance Fosbender up and out of Gamey Speedway for another feature win. And just if there was you know two or three more laps, probably would have had it. Um, but just still notch that one feature win this season. Great, great season uh, to Will Garrett's. Uh, congratulations to the entire Napa team. Uh, 
for a great season. Again, an MSA competition, it's very cool to see a team like that grab two youngsters up um, and really kind of groom them into the racers that they've become and really consistent, really clean, and uh, very smooth uh, drivers as well. Fifth in points is the uh, the racing cop, uh, Paul Pekorski, number four car finishing uh, with 1,612 points, four top fives and 12 top tens. I mean, the guys are on there for the championship every season, it seems like. Um, he's and one of the most consistent drivers on the circuit, one of the cleanest. Um, I mean, <laughs> what haven't we already said about Paul Pekorski uh, in his career, the guy from West Bend, uh, just an amazing, amazing driver. And it seems like timeless kind of thing. You know, remember growing up and seeing Paul and uh, Jim Malis running together. Now Jim Malis is retired. And, you know, of course, you, you never ask Paul when when retire when, uh, retirement is is around the corner. But <laughs> I mean, we got to think it's pretty soon. Um, so every time we get to see that number four car out on track um, and finishing well again, 12 top tens, that's not a, any kind of number to sniff at. Um, so fantastic job to Paul Pekorski. Very consistent season, finishing fifth in MSA points. So that wraps up the MSA, and then we're going to move on to the Wisconsin Wingless Sprints. Now I have to say this is this is a new, uh, uh, not really new series this season, but new to me. I I didn't really follow these guys at all last year. I kind of, I honestly kind of wrote them off. I mean, it was. I think last year was their first season or maybe second season or something like that. Um, but it's a very new series, and I was really ready to write them off in the sense that, you know, this is kind of an experiment. It's kind of a nice, fun thing, you know, add like 10 or 15 cars to the night just kind of to boost the car count. And then all of a sudden you get to this season, and they're averaging almost 30 cars a night no matter where they race. And they race most of the time they raced at Wilmot. Um, however, they did have quite a bit of traveling shows as well at Angel Park and then, of course, the last one at uh, the Plymouth Dirt Track. And I have to say, the diversity, and it's amazing. You know, you've got uh, Natalie Klemko finishing 14th in points. Um, who actually I thought was the most impressive uh, driver at Plymouth. She went from 17th to 7th in the feature, having to race her way up through the B Um doing an amazing job um, in that Klemko racing machine, um, as well as Chris Klemko, Klemko finishing top 10 in points. I thought both of those drivers were very, very impressive at Plymouth. Um, however, we have to give props to the guy that brought home the championship, one of the world-famous Dodd family in motorsports, Chris Dodd, uh, driving the car number 01 out of Trevor, Wisconsin, finishing the year with four wins, 14 top fives, and 19 top tens out of the 22 features run with 2,889 points. Uh, amazing season, and honestly, that was uh, to see Derek Crane, you know, really take it to those guys at, at Plymouth was very, very, very cool. Derek, of course, finishing sixth in points in that number 19K out of Waukegan with with that one win at Plymouth. Um, and it was a very emotional win, too. Again, I was blessed to be on the infield for that and to get to see the reaction from all of the uh, guys on Derek's crew. That was very, very cool to see. Finishing second in points was the 21Z of Ryan Zielski out of Oconomowoc. Three wins, 10 top fives, 17 top tens, um, only 89 points behind Chris. So I believe in terms of their point system, I believe he had he still had uh, a chance to win that championship going into Plymouth. Um However, it was just those top two guys in on it because uh, Zach Radart finishing third was a full 208 points behind at that time. Zach's, of course, driving the 23Z out of Gurney, Illinois, who actually won the most features this season, five wins, uh, 12 top fives and 17 top tens, uh, just missing out on a couple of the top fives and only making 19 out of the 22 features. Um, so he missed 
three features and everybody else in the top six, I believe. Yes. In the top six, all only missed at least one. So missing those few features really, really hurt Zach. Um, in terms of the uh, points championship, Tim's, Tim Cox, excuse me, uh, finishing fourth in points uh, from Park City, Illinois. With one win, uh, 12 top fives and 16 top tens. And Alan Hafford, longtime IRA competitor, making the switch uh, to wingless sprints uh, a couple years ago when the series came into uh, fruition uh, in the number 38 car out of Beach Park, Illinois. Nine top fives, 18 top tens, and 21 features made. 241 points behind Chris Dodd for the championship. Uh, it's the whole wingless thing. I mean, I love having a series come in and, you know, pulling 30 cars a night is nothing to sniff at for sure. Um, but it's, it's really cool to see a completely new series in Wisconsin do that. It wasn't just another 410 series. It wasn't another 360 series. It wasn't another micro sprint series. This was a completely new series brought into like thought process by Steve Sinclair and a bunch of guys from the IRA that wanted to run something a little bit smaller, a little bit cheaper. And, you know, I mean, there's 65 guys on this points sheet that I have right here. 65 different racers entered a Wisconsin wingless series race this season. And there were only 22 races, and they averaged about 30 cars a night. So that's an amazing, amazing achievement. Hats off to Steve Sinclair on, I think, really another prominent sprint car racing series in Wisconsin. And it's something different. They run, I believe they run 604 crate motors. So they're a little bit underpowered in terms of, uh, or not underpowered, but they have less power than uh, a 360 or a 410 sprint car. But those things are so hard to control. And you can really see these guys working with it. Uh, it takes a lot of skill to win in them. So again, hats off to Chris Dodd for taking that championship. Uh, a very, very impressive season and a very impressive season as well for the entire Wisconsin Wingless Sprint Series. Um, we're going to move on now. So that was – I just kind of wanted to wrap up uh, – oh, <laughs> almost forgot about the Lightning Sprints. we got to talk about these guys. I mean, they've got 19 uh, guys on their points sheet, um, and this was really, really kind of a fun addition to the IRA family this season. Um, I know we're just mostly talking about uh, dirt track right now. Um, in future episodes, we'll have drivers um, on the show that run uh, oval uh, asphalt tracks like Slinger, uh, Madison International, and stuff like that. We've got a couple drivers lined up for those, and that's when we'll dive into uh, recapping the seasons for asphalt tracks. Right now, just looking at uh, the mostly the traveling dirt series. Um, so anyways, the Wisconsin-Illinois Mini Sprints were renamed this season into the IRA Lightning Sprints. The IRA took over that series. Uh, they really, really did a nice job. Mike New tanking the championship in the number 16 machine with 1,576 points. I couldn't see that from back here. I had to move a little closer. Um, just an, another great addition to the sprint car racing family in Wisconsin. Uh, it's always fun to see the micro sprints run around. I've always thought that they're some of the most fun cars to just watch on a dirt track because you can tell those guys just are sending it up into those corners and it is so so much fun to watch um so once again congratulations to mike new really quickly on the uh, ira lightning sprint championship so now we're going to move on a little bit uh from dirt track and we're going to talk a little bit about the elkhart lake wisconsin track road america um, i've been going to road america for just about as long as i can remember um 
and I want to just give a huge shout out to the entire organization there on an amazing 2019. Uh, but the reason that I bring it up is just on October 1st, uh, they just released their 2020 schedule. So I just kind of want to go down uh, the list and kind of give you guys that information as well. If you maybe you haven't heard of it already, uh, May 15th through the 17th is going to be the season opener there. Um, as in usual fashion, they kick it off with the uh, Spring Vintage Festival with the SVRA. Um, and then right after that, uh, May 29th through the 31st is the Moto America Superbike Championship um, at Road America. And it is that is seriously one of my favorite weekends of the whole year. I love bikes. I know there's a lot of guys that probably don't that are listening to this, but I really, really love bikes. And I know this podcast is called Wisconsin Auto Racing. But I love that weekend. It draws a huge crowd. It's a completely different crowd uh, than you'll see out there for like the vintage races and stuff like that. So it's very, very fun to see a bunch of different people out there. Um, you know, cheering on a different kind of motorsport. Um, and it's amazingly competitive. They've had some incredible finishes uh, at Road America and the Moto America Superbike. Went back when it was the AMA. I remember Josh Hayes, Cam Bobier, uh, Blake Young, all those guys coming to the line like three wide. And I think there was one, there was one race where it was between uh, Josh Hayes and Blake Young. And they actually switched who the winner was three times because the their transponders were mounted in different points in their bikes. So it actually said Blake Young won. But then when they went back and looked at the photo finish, Josh Hayes had won uh, by just, you know, the skin of a tire on the front of his bike. It was an incredible, incredible finish. Um, and it was interesting to be at the track and nobody, nobody knew what was going on. So Moto America Superbike Championship, be sure to get out for that in May 29th through the 31st. Um, and then of course the timeless June sprints come back, uh, to the four mile circuit up there, June 12th through the 14th. And that is the longest running annual sports car event in the country. 1955 was the first time they ran those June sprints up there all the way now to 2019, um, great father's day weekend it's always been father's day weekend so grab your dad grab your grandpa you know grab your sons head out there to road america enjoy some great uh club racing on the june sprints weekend and then the ntt indy car series rev group grand prix comes back uh rev group of course renewing their sponsorship uh to sponsor that grand prix again for this season um, I believe it's presented by American Me yep, American Medical Response this season as well, uh, and that'll be June 18th through the 21st, uh, so you'll get back-to-back -back racing action from the June 12th to 14th and then the 18th through the 21st. Uh, I mean, it's the it's IndyCar. I mean, there's not really a whole much more to say about that. The IndyCar weekend at Road America, I've made a point to go there for it every season that it's been back, and it just keeps getting bigger and better. More fans now. Uh, I really think that this last season they had just as many, if not more, fans than the first season they came back. Uh, it's an amazing event. I mean, there's so many other things going, like going on during the during the weekend. And unlike the NASCAR weekend, I haven't really been a huge fan of the NASCAR weekend at Road America, and I'll tell you why. There's nothing going on. I mean, this season they added uh, Formula Three Americas, which I which is what I actually went to see. I know a couple guys that race in that series, but. There wasn't anything going on besides the stadium super trucks. And then the Trans Am races run at like eight in the morning. So there's these three hour, like literally three hour chunks of dead time in the middle of the day. Whereas you come out for the IndyCar weekend, they've got Indy Lights, Indy Pro 2000, USF 2000, and a bunch of other support series that travel with IndyCar. So you've got something going on all the time at the racetrack. Whereas, you know, you go out for NASCAR, you got to take a three hour lunch break just to 
come back and to see actual racing on the track. So um, I love the IndyCar weekend. I think NASCAR could take a lot of notes from it. Also, the closed paddock for NASCAR is something that I feel like we can talk about at another time when that weekend rolls around. Cause I, that's something that's something like if you guys want to hear some soapbox stuff that I've got a big rant, uh, about the closed paddock for NASCAR. Um, but anyways, <laughs> that all that aside, IndyCar will be back there June 18th through the 21st. Um, and then the next weekend there will, will be a complete month, uh, gap, for Road America, of course, there's always things going on there uh, as far as like, you know, different club uh, events um, and corporate things. But July 17th through the 19th, uh, the Arma and Rockerbox Motofest uh, will be back at Road America. And honestly, that I seriously think that's probably one of the most underrated events of the season. There's so much history in those bikes that are up there. Um, and those guys that run them, I mean, they run them hard. I mean, they are throwing them into those corners and it is so much fun to watch. Uh, some vintage things just get just absolutely abused on the track. And there's a lot of national vendors coming. There's going to be live music, food, and all that good stuff, uh, during that weekend. Of course, Road America known for its amazing concessions and all of them will be open on that weekend as well. So, and then you get the Midsummer Classic. I love this. is my favorite event of the entire year. It's the WeatherTech International Challenge with Brian Redman, uh, and that'll be July 23rd through the 26th. And it is one of, if not the most premier vintage event in the country. I there was some talk this year about there wasn't as many like historical cars and stuff like that. And I think it's from a lot of guys that are used to, you know, you're used to seeing those 1950s and 60s Ferraris and stuff like that. And those cars are incredibly hard to maintain. I mean, we're, we're going on about 70 years since those cars were in, you know, in competition. And then now you get those kind of like 80s and 90s cars. Those are being considered vintage now as well. And even early 2000s, you know, there's there were three 1997 F1 cars there this last season. And just even seeing those there is is amazing. And this next season is actually the 50th anniversary of the UOP Shadow, which I mean, there's going to be so many Can-Ams and there were some awesome Shadow F1 cars there this last season. And there's a lot of replicas there as well. But I mean, those are, you know, labors of love from guys that have tried to restore those cars. Um, and there's amazingly restored cars as well, back to completely original condition um, in all of the classes there. And I think this last season, I don't remember the exact car count, but there was just I remember hearing it and just being like staggered. It was an amazing car count and I'm sure it's going to even be bigger next year. Uh, so definitely get out there July 23rd through the 26th. And then the IMSA WeatherTech sports car championship, another one of my favorite weekends of the year, along with the Michelin pilot challenge. Um, IMSA racing is an amazing spectacle at road America there. It seems like it's an amazing finish every year, whether the race is four hours, six hours or, you know, two and a half hours or two hours and 40 minutes or however long it's been recently. It always seems like everything comes down to the last like two laps where all of a sudden there's a pass for the lead. Somehow after two and a half hours, they're still, they finish within like three tenths of a second or something. It's unbelievable. Um, the one finish in particular, of course, was last year's Michelin pilot challenge where 
uh, I believe it was a McLaren, I believe, was was leading the race, and he had a, a Camaro right behind him, and it was Robin Liddell, who had actually just, he had, on the last lap, gone around the outside of two cars at Canada Corner, turn 12. If you know anything about Road America, that is not a place to pass. That is not a place to pass at all. So it was really impressive, and it was like, wow, it's going to be an amazing second-place finish. And as the guy that was leading, I don't remember the guy's name for the life of me, but he was coming to the checkered flag, hits, tries, goes to hit his radio switch, and hits the pit limiter, and the car just screeches to a halt, and Robin Liddell goes right on the grass, two wheels on the grass, and wins the race by half a car length. It was the most incredible finish I think I've ever seen at Road America, besides maybe Lucas Lure and Guy Smith back in, was that 2013? Um, after that four-hour race, that was an amazing finish too. But just the heartbreak to see on the, the comp- I believe it was the Compass Racing McLaren team was gut-wrenching but at the same time it was an amazing drive from Robin Liddell so all that aside July 30th through August 2nd uh IMSA weekend at Road America and then the next thing that'll roll into town is the NASCAR uh Henry 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 repeating arms actually took over uh the sponsorship for that race which is awesome to see another local company getting involved with uh races on the big stage the Henry 180 will roll into America Road America <laughs> excuse me, Road America on August 6th through the 8th. Um, and it's always fun watching the the bigger stock cars try to, you know, navigate the 14-turn uh, course, um, as well as the Speed Energy Stadium Super Truck Series, which is, I mean, it's just bonkers. I mean, if you want a race series that is just absolutely batch crazy, I mean, that, <laughs> that series is for you. Uh, also, the SCCA Pro Trans Am Series will be back, and I believe – it's not in this article that I'm looking at right here, but I believe the F3 Americas are confirmed for next season as well. And after that, August 28th through the 30th, the Blanc Pond GT World Challenge uh, will come back to Road America. And that is seriously one of the coolest series on the earth. Like any kind of GT3 series that you can find. Um, you know, they've got Acuras, Audis, BMWs, Bentleys, Ferraris, Lamborghinis, McLarens, Mercedes, Nissans, Porsches. You know, there were some Dodge Vipers in competition last season. Janettas, you know, just amazing exotic cars being absolutely thrashed around Road America. And it's just so, so much fun to watch. Uh, so that's August 28th through the 30th, GT World Challenge. Uh, and then September 18th through the 20th, that'll be the Arians Art on Wheels weekend uh, featuring the VSCDA. Um, and that usually closes out the season. Um, and I love there's there's a Can-Am revival that, that weekend as well. Pre-war cars as well. I mean, like pre-war. That's like 1930s race cars restored to pristine condition and trying to go around a 14-turn course. I mean, it takes them five minutes to do it, but it is just so awesome to see those cars out there running at speed like they would have back in the 30s and 40s. Then, as I said, that usually closes out the season. However, the big news for Road America coming into this season, the 57th annual SCCA National Championship runoffs will be back at Road America after, was that a six, seven-year hiatus? I believe the last time they were there was in 2013. Um, yes, they were there from 2009 to 2013, um, and they're going to be back there. Fall colors, I mean, you're going to have the leaves changing, the mild-ish like ish weather, you know, October 9th through the 11th, that's going to be prime time to be at Road America to watch some club racing. Uh, 
<laughs> it's gonna be incredible just to see how many cars are there. I mean, I think last time it was again just an unreal car count when the runoffs were at Road America. So, so, so cool to see the SCCA National Championship runoffs back at Road America for the 2020 season. Again, that's October 9th through the 11th. Season passes for Road America are gonna be available on uh, through December and then 2020 at a special price of four thousand, not four thousand, four hundred and sixty bucks. Uh, and the event ticket, event tickets uh, will be on are, are on sale right now. And then the camping tickets will begin uh, to be sold on November first. So. Once again, that's the Road America 2020 schedule. Just kind of wanted to read that off um, because they, <laughs> they just released it, and it's it's going to be an amazing season. There's a lot of really awesome events that are back this year. There's some new stuff with the runoffs coming to town. Uh, there's a ton of awesome, awesome things happening. So once again, this once again, this episode is sponsored by Pedal Down Promotions. Uh, it's a huge thank you to Jeff Pedersen for getting in contact with me, uh, being the first official sponsor for the Wisconsin Auto Racing Podcast with a vast background in the motorsports industry. Pedal Down Promotions proudly serves as the official PR and media relations firm for Paul Pekorski Motorsports, Josh Walter and Torque Racing, Plymouth Dirt Track Racing, and the Midwest Sprint Car Association and is now seeking to form new partnerships with racing teams, tracks, and series for the 2020 season and beyond. If you're interested, please call Jeff Pedersen at 920-323. 7970 or shoot them an email at pedaldownpromotions at gmail.com or you can visit www.pedaldownpromo.com. So once again, huge thank you to Pedal Down Promotions for sponsoring this first ever episode of the Wisconsin Auto Racing Podcast. Now, we're going to close out the show here um, with a little bit of soapbox action and we're going to talk about the IRA feature at Plymouth in the last the last, whatever you want to call it, Wisconsin Sprint Car Championship finale night, championship night, whatever. You're crowning a champion in four different divisions, and you've got these guys like Linton Jeffrey, Austin McCarl, and Terry McCarl, and guys like that coming in. It's awesome to see. And Jeremy Schultz ended up winning the feature, uh, which was really cool because, I mean, you want somebody from Wisconsin to win the Wisconsin Sprint Car Championships. Uh, however, Linton Jeffrey is one of the nicest guys I've ever met at a racetrack, and so is Austin McCarl. I mean, there's so many guys that were jumping down, guys, by guys I mean fans, uh, jumping down Austin McCarl's throat and just crucifying him for this move that he tried to make on Linton Jeffrey. And I'm going to play some audio here uh, from Ray Underwood. Uh, Ray Underwood on the call. Um, and we're just going to kind of listen to the call from when uh, McCarl contacted uh, Linton Jeffrey. Um, and basically, Linton Jeffrey, for those of you who don't know, he was on his way to a Williams Grove event in Pennsylvania to race with the Pennsylvania Posse, which is another huge, uh, really, honestly, nationally famous uh, regional series like the IRA. And this was his primary car. I mean, this was – he was racing with Joey Mohan for the first few uh, – not even the first few laps, first 20 laps or so. Uh, and then Mohan ended up actually jumping the the cushion in turn three and four was an absolute brick wall. Mohan jumped the cushion, flipped the car. That moved Austin McCarl up into the second spot, and he was coming. I mean, he was just railing the cushion, and he he had it figured out uh, in that 17A machine. And I'm gonna play some audio here, and I'm gonna give you guys my thoughts on this. 
and just I mean, we'll play the audio and, and just let me know what you guys think. For those of you guys who don't know, who maybe haven't seen the video, it's on Speedshift TV's YouTube page. Uh, and basically what happens, you've got Austin McCarl coming hot on the outside, and Joey Mohan, who was leading the race, um, actually went back to the pits, had his wings straightened out uh, by his crew, comes back onto the track, um, and is running lap times well under uh, what the leaders were running and what he was running before the flip. I mean, obviously the car is incredibly damaged. There's no aerodynamics on it at all. So it was all, he might as well have been running a wingless car at that point. So he's getting lapped by Jeffrey right here. And as I go frame by frame here, they're three wide down the entire backstretch because the aerodynamics for on a sprint car will help you in the corners on the straightaway. It doesn't, it doesn't help you at all for the straight line speed. So Joey Mohan is actually running the same exact speed as the two leaders down the back straightaway. And as the two leaders, Jeffrey is in the middle and McCarl is on the high side, as they come down the back straightaway, McCarl has to come down in order to get in the right line for the cushion because, as I said, it was a complete brick wall in turn three and four. So he has to come down the racetrack. And as I'm looking at the video here, there's a full car width between Mohan on the bottom of the racetrack. Mohan did a great job of staying out of the way of all this. Between Mohan and Jeffrey in the middle of the racetrack, there is nothing between McCarl and Jeffrey. I mean, obviously, McCarl coming down the track clips the right front of Jeffrey's car because he has to get down in order to make that cushion. If he doesn't make the cushion, he sails over the top of it, spears head-on into the barrier at well over 130 140 miles per hour and that is not pretty so he's coming down to just make the corner and Jeffrey leaves him absolutely no room and of course the consequence I mean Jeffrey got the worst of it McCarl was out of the race as well had a left rear suspension collapse um, as he was coming around turn four after the red flag came out but just going frame by frame here and if you guys slow the video down on YouTube to 25% or whatever and just look at it and you'll see Jeffrey does not make an attempt to give McCarl any kind of room and that's not a knock on Linton Jeffrey because he's trying to keep that lead he's obviously he sees that McCarl is there but McCarl has nowhere to go and my first impression seeing it live was McCarl oh McCarl ran him over but if you look as you even keep going in frame by frame here McCarl is right up against the wall. He has nowhere to go. So as far as whose fault it was, I mean, I really think it was honestly just a racing incident. You know, I see all these people trying to blame Austin McCarl for it. I'm not a big fan of that theory. I really think, if anything, Jeffrey was honestly a little bit more to blame. The only, I mean, obviously the, the huge downside to both of this is there's two wrecked race cars now. Jeffrey, I mean, I don't know if they could salvage anything from that. I mean, that car was just destroyed. Maybe the chassis was okay. Um, hopefully he had a Maxim. Shout out to Maxim chassis. Um, but McCarl, you know, obviously broken rear axle, you know, a lot of suspension components, damage there, shock, um, everything just trashed on the entire left rear of that car. Um, and, of course, Jeffrey was completely you know, really, really mad because he was on his way to honestly, probably a little more prestigious race, 
um, in Pennsylvania with, and that was his main car that was just destroyed in an unfortunate racing incident. But that happens. It's racing. There's not a whole lot either of those drivers could have done. Maybe Jeffrey could have done, come down a little bit, uh, given McCarl a little bit more room. Uh, but this is just kind of a controversial thing. And I saw even in a national, I'm in a national sprint car fan group on Facebook. And I was seeing some guys from outside of Wisconsin, outside of this racing scene, talking about it and just completely putting all the blame on Austin McCarl. And I don't agree with that at all. I think if anything, it's equal blame. Uh, if anything, leaning a little bit more toward uh, Linton Jeffrey. But anyways, that just about does it for the first ever episode of Wisconsin Auto Racing uh the wisconsin auto racing podcast uh thank everybody so much for listening once again thank you to pedal down promotions for uh sponsoring this first episode we've got some more sponsors we've got great drivers on the list to interview um i think it's gonna be it's gonna be a really cool deal so once again if you're interested in being interviewed on the show this was just kind of a get us rolling uh first episode to send out uh with just me myself and i <laughs> once again uh alex will be on the show uh very soon next week when the when the show airs uh once again these shows will go out uh thursday mornings so we're going to send them out thursday mornings at 7 a.m um and we'll probably we might change that time as we go on but uh i think it's just kind of a time to get us started and uh once again thank you everybody so much for listening for tuning in uh and we'll see well uh, i guess you'll hear this voice as well as alex's voice and uh a driver uh, to be named <laughs> next week um, on the Wisconsin Auto Racing Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening and goodbye.